Welcome to week two of Decaf Remote. I am sitting outside on the first beautiful day that Nashville has had in a long time. Mark, I gave him, I gave him a little bit of heat for not being outside, but uh, you'll go outside later. Once you got to walk the dog. Yeah, yeah, no, I go outside. Just, I mean, I can't with the birds cheering or the not cheering, um, chirping and everything. It's hard to do that, but and I'm wearing my jazz hat in support of the team that kind of started everything for the coronavirus. But it's a tough day. Me, me and my friend said we were talking earlier that. Uh, today would have been opening day. It would have been the second weekend of March Madness. The NBA and NHL like would be getting ready to their playoffs. So sports has kind of always been the thing that has made people, I think, come together after ba like bad events like September 11. So it's tough not to have that. But I think there is table tennis uh, right now, and I, the hot dog eating contest is coming up. So that's the sports we have. Okay. Well, I mean, I can get behind a hot dog eating contest. That that cracks me up. It's fun to watch. Yeah, I feel like I'm not sure that's coronavirus safe with all those gross hot dogs, but I don't know. Who knows? I mean, at your own risk. Participate yeah, in the hot yeah. dog contest at your own risk. Yeah, hopefully Joey Chestnut repeats. Oh, yeah. That was a trivia question recently when I was at Trivia. Who was the winner of the hot dog eating contest? Oh, so I actually know the women. I think that I know the women's name, too. It's like Hunku uh, Sako or something. But, yeah, there's, yes, there's Joey Chestnut's won like four of the last five years, I think. So he's pretty good. I need to take you to trivia with me more often. You would know things like that. Oh, yeah. Kobayashi was the winner before that. He, he won like five or six years in a row. So I know a lot about the hot dog eating contest. That's a really weird fun fact that's not that fun, and you probably shouldn't tell that many people. It's not fun, and it's not cool. But, yes, I do know it. It's not cool. Well, let's talk about something that is cool, which is Governor Lee's leadership. Okay? I'm just going to come right out and say it. Yeah. He's killing it. I'm, I'm reading all these news articles from all over the country of governors who, like Cuomo in New York, who used prison labor to make state hand sanitizer and just weird things that governors are doing. And all I have to say is I'm really thankful to live in Tennessee right now. Billy's been great. I think when you look at both sides, too, there, there's maybe some governors in other states who haven't really gone far enough to talk about health and safety and things like that. There's some that have gone too far, shutting down all businesses and saying, oh, you can't operate. I don't care. And deciding what's essential and which is, what is not, which is almost absurd that the government has any idea what's essential. Somehow that alcohol and weed's essential in California, but then like furniture stores and, and they're not. Like, I mean, how does that work? But um, but Billy's really th threaded the needle well. I think he's done a great job. And I, I know he's taken some heat from kind of the, the leftists over there. But I think most people are like, he's done a pretty good job there. He's not gone too far, but he's also looked out for health and safety. And he's given local governments the power to do things. So, I mean, Mayor Cooper and uh, Mayor Strickland in Memphis have, have shut, which is fine. Like, it's more of a city thing. But Justin made a great point that, like, well, in Jackson, Tennessee, um, everyone is, like, <laughs> a mile apart or Paris, Tennessee anyway. So it's like, you don't need the same social distancing rules as you do in those cities. I, I totally agree. I, you know me, I'm a federalism person. I think that the more local the rule, the better. And I think it's very cool that Governor Lee hasn't said all of Tennessee has to shut down because the truth of the matter is we live in a rural state with several pockets of metropolitan activity. That's just the fact of the matter. And there's no reason for small towns to be shutting down when they don't have any cases or they have one case and a person can just stay in their house, stay on their land, and have plenty of space. I totally understand the need for Nashville to shut down. I mean, both of my neighbors can probably hear me right now talking. We need, we they need, must hate, they must hate living near you. Probably so, honestly. But we need to be careful in these big cities. But I, I really do appreciate the way that Governor Lee has encouraged localities to do what's best for them, keeping the economy going, especially, you know, I have a friend whose dad is a dry cleaner in a small town, and he's like, we got to keep going. We're keeping everything safe, but I got to keep my people at work. And we're in a small town, and there's no need for us to shut down because there's no cases in our county yet. So I appreciate it. And, and you want to you take big steps, but you don't want to be shut down. It's like, this is... 
people keep talking about how it's economic or it's lives. It's both. It's like it, people, if they lose their business and they can't afford to do the, like do these things anymore, like their lives are destroyed. They might be alive. And of course that's, that's important, but like what kind of life it's like this, they built this life and it's not, it's being destroyed by the government. So it's not just this idea of like, it's a life or it's economic. It's like, there's a middle ground between that and ec economies. We can talk about how it's just money, but if you're poor and can't eat, guess what? It's more than just money. Agreed. Totally agreed. So um, with that, we will say thank you, Governor Lee, for your leadership, his administration. I know they're working really hard. I saw someone in his office recently and between the tornado and the coronavirus outbreak, they've been working really hard, burning both ends of the candle and it shows and it's appreciated. So and, lo and locally, I think that, that Mayor Cooper's done a good job too. I mean, it's absolutely. So it's not just, I think that a lot of the mayors in Tennessee and a lot of, I mean, a lot of the state officials have done a good job, even if they have different opinions on what to do, I think. I, I truly believe that our elected officials now more than ever are taking their jobs so seriously and they genuinely were seeing their hearts and how much they care about the people that they serve. And, and that's really great. You can read more about um, Governor Lee's response and our thoughts on it. Justin wrote a blog post. It's available on our Facebook and on our website. Um, and let us know your thoughts. If your mayor's doing something great, if your city council's doing something great, we would love to praise them as well. We just live in Nashville and we know it's going on here, but um, we want to know what's going well. Um, all over Tennessee so we will we will stop there with our with our praise and admiration um, but another thing that I wanted to talk about is maybe people not doing so well with their jobs these days um, I thought that this time would be a time for the media to redeem themselves from years and years and years of name calling and whatever and for the most part they have tennessee media i read the tennessee and every day i've been following reporters on twitter tennessee state media has been doing a great job and for the most part mark i don't know if you agree but for the most part national media has been doing pretty well too i mean i read an article in the atlantic the other day that i agreed with like they're oh, i know i know for the most part these outlets are not doing bad but there are a few outlets and reporters that still will tear down Trump whatever they can yeah no matter what so one of the things that I saw was an NPR article and I trust NPR I listen to NPR podcasts I read NPR they fact checked Trump and then they had to fact check their own fact check because their fact check was wrong and he was right guys it's just not the time to try to be snippy um and, and I know that Trump's still tweeting, and you can say what you want about that, but I think the media should be held to a higher standard. Than Trump? I mean, no, a higher standard than, uh, like, okay. than they are now. Than, they are, than they're fulfilling. Yeah, I, and I think, it, I think it comes down to individual reporters. I mean, you talked about, and you can talk more about the, the whole people dying by eating, what is it? Yes. Or something. Yes, uh, these people died because they drank aquarium cleaner, and this NBC reporter goaded them into saying, it's Trump's fault, he told me to do this, never listen to him. Come on. And like we said, Darwinism is a thing, and that's not Trump's fault. But um, it, it's important that, I think, to have both sides. I mean, you want to hold, especially in a time of crisis, we always talked about, um, what was it, Rahm Emanuel that said, like, uh, never, never you got to take advantage of a good crisis, or something like that. I might have messed never that thing. Never let a crisis go to waste. Never let a crisis go to waste. So I think that we need to be overly like have our eyes open when we're talking about expanding government we're talking but the media too it's like what are they trying to get across and because of crisis do they feel like this is a chance to attack trump and like i said before i'm not uh, part of the like kind of conspiracy that oh all media is liberal all they're trying to do is bring down trump there is reporters i mean i think jim acosta is one um, but there's a lot of reporters that clearly are trying to do that
but I don't think most of them are. I think that they, they might have a little bit of bias, but they're trying to cover it fairly. So I think this is a great time for you to see the ones who are trying to cover it fairly and the ones who are really just out to get Trump no matter what he does. And in a time of crisis, it's, it's just kind of gross to see these people attacking him on these, like, oh, that number's wrong by seven, even though he's a different study than I did. Like, that's not the kind of stuff we need right now. Let's say, okay, we disagree with Trump, but like, let's let him handle this. 61% of people think he's handling it well right now, um, which I did not think he was before, about three or four weeks ago when he said, oh, it's going to get better. But he has done such a, a much better job in the last two weeks. So I would say people think that, and the media shouldn't be, the, shouldn't be telling what people telling people what to think they should be explaining what's actually happening i think most of them are you you point out a couple examples where they haven't and we just need to keep be aware of that yeah i think now is the time for the media to put the american people first and not their own agendas and outlets for the most part are certain reporters aren't i think it is a litmus test right now it's kind of a litmus test of what are these reporters really going for so and let me again stand up one more time tennessee media has done an excellent job tv station Tennessee and Knox News Sentinel, Commercial Appeal, they've all covered it well. Not that I agree with every reporter and everything, but I, I think that they've covered a lot better than the national media has. Absolutely. I totally agree. I mean, I look at the Wall Street Journal and the Tennessean every day. I mean, that's that's Wall Street right. Journal has done a great job, though. Maybe. Wall Street Journal's killing it. <laughs> yes, really um, good. I wish I had the stupid paywall, though. Ugh. I know. Beacon has a subscription, Mark. Come on. You're the one who sent me the password. I didn't I didn't know that. Okay. Good to know. Okay. Uh, but yeah, Wall Street, Journal's, Wall Street Journal's doing great if you're looking for a media source that really is unbiased. Their opinion page, obviously, is biased, but their reporting has been thorough and really good if you're looking for a national source. Wall Street Journal. Couldn't say enough good things. Um, I'm wondering if the Wall Street Journal, I just saw this on a Fox News alert that came in on my phone. I don't know if they're going to report on this, and I can't wait to hear what they say if they do. Um, President Maduro, oh, Sloan's here. Oh, she was stuck under the couch. I had to get her out. Oh, my gosh. Um, so President Maduro of Venezuela, who has um, taken the country from bad to worse over the last few years, is now being uh, sought after by the U.S. Department of Justice for drug trafficking. Who's, raise your hand if you're surprised by that. I feel like drug trafficking is probably like the least of his offenses. <laughs> I think you're probably right. I feel, like, I feel like that's like nothing compared to the stuff that he actually does to his people and to his economy. But I guess I guess that's another reason to hate him. Well, when we were talking about this before the show, um, Mark made a good point that there's a lot of money in the drug trafficking game. And if he's doing that and just pocketing all that money and his people are out on the streets eating rabbit, then he's an even worse person than I originally thought he was. Yeah, still eat rabbit over bat. I think we can still agree on that. No but. Bat. <laughs> yeah, no bats at all. But yeah, yeah I mean, he, he's, an, he's, an, he's evil. Like, he is pure evil to the extent. And it, this is what, when we disagree with people, like, when we talk about socialism, this is what we mean. Of course, Sweden, Finland, those places, they're not socialist countries. They have big public safety nets, but they're more capitalist than us in almost every other way. So it's like, we might disagree with some of the specifics there, but when we talk about what we hate about socialism and what the American people were scared of, they're talking about Venezuela. That is what they are talking about. And that is pure socialism played out exactly like it, it's going to work every single time you do real socialism. So the Maduro selling drugs, not surprising. Um, again, uh, somebody who is pure evil. And I've ta- I actually had two Venezuelan um, Uber drivers in the past couple months who have both said, like, they're like, I had to get away from him. And the fact that some people in America want this socialism that Venezuela had is insane. Um, so he's all, um, I hope they catch him. I hope he's overthrown. I mean, he, he's the worst person. And Trump, we talked about this, Trump brought his opponent, uh, kind of the leader of the other party, to the State of the Union to say, like, hey, we support you. We don't support this 
this socialist dictator. We support you and hopefully one day they'll have some kind of democracy where they don't have a, a, a socialist dictator in there. Well, the U.S. Uh, State Department is offering $15 million for his capture. And, you know, there's probably a lot of people in Venezuela. Mark made a comment that that's probably bigger than their entire economy. So Which it shouldn't be because they have so much oil, but because that's what socialism does. That's what socialism does. So, um, you know, I typically don't wish poorly on people, but I quite frankly don't care what happens to Maduro. And I hope that someone finds him, turns him in and gets that nice, pretty 15 million and can make well with their lives or their organization or wh whoever they're with. Well, it's because we wish well on the Venezuelan people. So that's why we exactly. have bad things on Maduro because one bad, one bad person for a lot of good people. I think I'll take that trade off any day. I'll take that. I'll take that trade. Um, speaking of another bad person, but kind of a, almost a lovable bad person. Oh, do you think he's a bad person? I, I don't think we actually discussed that. I'm, I'm kind of in the middle on it, but okay. Really? We should... <laughs> okay, we'll tell you what we're talking about. So Mark and I have recently become obsessed with this new Netflix show called Tiger King. And we are two of the millions that are obsessed with this. Kim Kardashian was tweeting about it. It's been the number one show on Netflix for a really long time. We are just smitten by the show. We, I, I watched it in two days. You watched it in three days? No, I did about a day and a half. I did two, and then I did that night. I went from eight p.m. to like three a.m. I didn't sleep at all because I had to finish it. Oh my gosh! Okay, so if you've not watched Tiger King, I'll just give you a brief rundown because you'll watch the trailer and you'll think those two are insane for watching this, and we might be. But <laughs> this show is about this redneck guy in Oklahoma that owns this private zoo where he named is Joe Exotic, by the way. That's how cool he is. His yeah, he changed is his last name to Exotic. Yeah, Joe Exotic. He is um, everything you'd expect from a big cat person, but also nothing you'd expect. So apparently there's this whole subculture of people that are big cat people. They're all over the United States, all these privately owned zoos, and they all hate each other. Like and they're all they, polygamists, it seems like, at least according to the show. <laughs> yes, they're all polygamists. They all hate each other. They are all out to get each other. And basically, this is the story of the rise and fall of Joe Exotic. And guys, it is like, like if you look away for a minute or stop paying attention for a second, you'll miss stuff because he, the guy went around. He had a camera guy follow him around because he thought his life was so amazing. He had a camera guy follow him around for years capturing every single thing he did and now netflix has all that footage and they put it in a show and man it is like it is wild and there's another guy who's captured his life too but it jokes out it probably burnt down the evidence uh, that would indict him or something but there's a lot of crazy things and it's really fun to look at and the least surprising thing and i don't mean any offense by this but the least surprising thing ever is that jokes out actually ran for president and governor and of course he ran on the libertarian party ticket of course um but of yeah. and of course we are we're all free market people but like they, those people that run for like the highest public office seem to be the, the craziest people that run for libertarian party but yeah. the one that i uh the one thing I really was interested in was your take on Carol. So like this woman who is, I think, supposed to kind of be the good person, but I hate her more than any of the other people there. I think she's an awful person. Okay, well, hot take and maybe spoiler alert, but that woman killed her husband and fed oh, him with a tiger. I don't oh, even think it's a hot take. I think that's absolutely 100% correct. <laughs> yes. I mean, and, and don't prove it, and we don't want to give away too much, but if you have Netflix and you could, it, it's a six-part documentary, I think about six hours, seven hours, and it is the most interesting thing that I've ever seen, I think, from, from I the I don't think 
think I realized that this like tiger people subculture existed. Like I, I didn't realize that big cat people were a thing. Apparently there are more cats living in captivity in the U S than are living yeah. in the wild in Africa. Like I, and when I, when we say big cats talking about tigers, panthers, lions, like, exotic cheetahs exotic animals like that i had no idea that there were so many of these people i had no idea that it was such a subculture and no, I, mean, I mean it's like feuding warfare of cat people all the time this guy ran for president i'd never heard of him how how have i never heard of this when this guy ran for president as a libertarian how did i not know well john oliver had an excellent segment on him it's really funny but uh but yeah i know it's, it's this crazy it is this crazy culture and they're all in different states and they kind of have their own thing but one thing I did realize that baby tigers are like, are very cute. I didn't know they were like that. I mean, they, they look like cuddly. And it is funny that they, you think of these as these awful, maybe not awful, but these dangerous animals. And like they tame them for the most part. I mean, there's been like, there's one or two accidents in Joe Exotic's place for 10, 20 years. But they're, I mean, they're like lovable. And they just remind you of a dog like that could kill you, but still a dog. <laughs> I mean, they really domesticate these tigers, which is cute but also really sad i don't know i'm i'm not like a PETA person but i do love animals and um it's kind of sad but it is an interesting show if you have netflix watch it if you don't have netflix honestly send me a facebook message and i'll give you my password because you've got to watch this show it is That's absolutely right. wild um mark any final thoughts before we sign well, off I, I i think the craziest thing is i want to say that somehow this show makes it so that john mcafee wasn't the craziest libertarian that ran for president previously that's the only person who could possibly do that John McAfee's now second, but it seems like they have normal people at this point, but 2016 was a rough year for them. That's for sure. So rough. So rough. Um, everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Wash your hands. I've been telling my friends to stay safe and stay sane. Um, it's almost done. Sloan, America loves you. You stay by. <laughs> Mark's dog is waving if you're listening and not watching. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll see you next week.